Today, my wife and I, we were on a bike ride and we stopped in the middle of the ride at a coffee shop and we were sitting next to two of the most classic millennials you have ever heard talking about the gig economy and how it really allowed for their life to be a little bit more flexible. The gig economy, yes. One of them is in the middle of a move. She was very depressed because uh, in her new apartment that she's moving to, she's going to lose out on the pool amenities. Lose <laughs> out on the pool amenities. Ugh, it's the most millennial thing I've ever heard. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. Welcome to episode number 122 of Touchpoint. Back for another week is Chris Boyer and I'm Reed Smith. Thanks for joining us. Hey Reed, how's it going today? It is good. We um, are in the middle of packing, moving, all that kind of fun stuff. And so uh, hopefully my office is not too echoey, you know, maybe more on the move front later on. But but hopefully, you know, as I've packed up a lot of stuff here, hopefully I'm not, not too much of an echo today. So... Well, you know, I was going to half suggest that we go outside to record because the weather is so nice up here in Minneapolis. Is it? Because it's already hot here now. Like we only have two seasons here in Texas. There's no spring. So we're, we're definitely like now into the, the heat of summer, it seems like already. But well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming back for another week. A quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health is where you can find out more about this show and others. And we ask that you continue to uh, spread the word, tell a friend. That's still the number one way people find out about us. And uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen mm-hmm. to be listening uh, that is super helpful as well. Mm-hmm. You know, before we jump in, I, I think this is going to be a really neat episode where we talk uh, a lot about why we do this, why we do the work we do, and and kind of what that looks like for for those in digital marketing, uh, specifically in the healthcare arena. Uh, but before we do, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with uh, with the show. Using powerful AI driven algorithms. Loyal's guide helps patients along every step of their journey, from choosing a doctor and finding the nearest location to signing up for an event or clinical trial. Whether you are using Guide's chatbot, live chat, or the powerful combination of both, Loyal's engaging platform integrates seamlessly into your system, maximizes efficiency, and improves patients' digital experience. To learn more or schedule a demo, Visit them online at loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. That is loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. You alluded to this right before the break, but if you if you start doing digital marketing within hospitals and health systems, I like to think that there is sort of a higher purpose or a calling to what we do. Today's topic um, is going to be really important for us to cover in, in our episode. We have a lot of great stuff to, to chat about today, don't you think? I think so. And of course, you know, this is less about the technical aspect of what we do or the ins and outs of a particular platform or a strategy or anything like that. 
but you know, you just said it a higher purpose. And, and I think, um, you know, one of the things is that I don't want people to think that just because, you know, they don't happen to work in a clinical role, you know, sometimes in, in the marketing arena, it feels like, well, we could just do this anywhere. And mm-hmm. I guess there probably is some truth to that. And, you know, we talk about the length and the longevity of the roles and in, in, in the time, you know, people have spent at organizations. And, and the reason for that, I think, or I've kind of come to believe is that, you know, people in the marketing or the administrative side uh, of the equation have just as much of a calling to this uh, in many cases as the uh, clinical folks do. I agree with you 100%. I mean, honestly, I, I know that I do digital marketing, and, and that's something that I like to do. But quite frankly, it's it, it's easy for me to do that in this space because the marketing aspects is really a way to help people, if you think about it. It's a way to get people to get access to our care. It's a way to help you know clarify things. That is a big part of this calling or this higher purpose. And in fact, when I interview people for the roles, and I mentioned this before, I really try to keep get a sense of new people that want to come in and work at, at healthcare, if they are motivated the same way, not that that is a differentiator if they're, you know, if I hire them or not, but most of the people that do want to come work in digital marketing in hospitals and health systems, they're there because of that higher purpose. Yeah, because I, you know, you can make a good living doing this. I, I don't want to. I don't want to misrepresent. But you know, working at a hospital, you know, typically is not going to be your your path to to wealth and riches. No, <laughs> I mean you're you're doing this because uh, you like it. You want to be there. You want to do it. You know, the work is uh, satisfying. It's fulfilling. You know, those types of things. And again. I'm not trying to slight, you know, obviously as you in your career make your way up the proverbial ladder, you're going to make more money, certainly, and you can make a good living doing this. But uh, there may be ways to quicker wealth and riches than, than this path. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, people that do this, they want to do it. That's certainly true. I mean, we recently did a competitive level set of our wages at our health system because we're not paid at market rate. And and if you think about like, you know, other high tech companies or agencies, which are really looking for digital marketing people, they tend to pay a lot better. But really, it's that that purpose driven aspect of what we do, right? We're here to promote the common good or, or, or health or, you know, it's it, this is much more than like, selling widgets. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you make you make more money doing that, but I think at some point it's it's a little hollow, right? I mean, I'm glad everybody has a calling in that people like to do different things. I mean, we need that, right, for the world to go around. But this is a neat space. And, and I think, you know, you're doing it because of a of a higher purpose or you feel called to it or, you know, this is where you feel you're you're reaching a certain level of satisfaction because you feel like you're doing meaningful work. Because we're in a purpose-driven industry. Absolutely. And what we deal with, what we broker, so to speak, or what we're selling online is health and wellness information that can help the greater good, right? If you think about like social media, for most major health systems, what they're doing is they're on their social media accounts and other places, they're creating a lot of content that's designed to help people make better healthcare decisions. That's a lot easier to, to stomach, so to speak, if that higher calling as opposed to maybe like, you know, selling Shoes. Not that there's anything wrong with selling shoes. I like shoes. And then, you know, the other thing too is like a lot of times we're really focusing on when we look at consumer journeys and we look at journey mapping, really what we're 
providing is ways for people to access their care a lot easier. We're, we're trying to remove the friction so that people who are typically have a very tough time maybe making an appointment or just trying to find the right phone number or whatever, a lot of times our customer journey is to make that a lot easier for our audiences. It, it is. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think you know, the customers that we deal with, to your point, and, you know, what they need from us, you know, much like uh, you, you would deal with in a clinical setting, we're trying to reduce anxiety as well. And, you know, we're trying to make sure that people can find what they need to find and navigate where they need to navigate to and get the services that they need to get. And I think that that plays a very large role into that level of comfort uh, reduce anxiety, improved outcomes, all the things that we've talked about on the clinical side of the equation on why we do certain things that we do, scripting, discharge phone calls, you know, things like that, that we've, we've talked about, shift change handoffs, et cetera. We, we do the same thing in the marketing side of the equation for the same reasons, for the same, you know, we want to make it, you know, easy on people. And, you know, at a, at a time that even if it's, it's an exciting time, you're coming in to have a baby. Well, there's still a certain level of stress there and anxiety. I hope this goes well, especially first time parents, you know, not knowing what to expect or where to go or where to park. And, and we can influence and impact all of those pieces. I think that's a really important part of the work that we do. The other thing as digital marketers, we actually can use digital channels in a way to maybe reach others that are maybe harder to reach through traditional means, if you think about it. Look at anybody of any kind of socioeconomic level. They're connected somehow to the internet. I, I read a study recently that says, you know, that smartphones are not just reserved for people on the higher echelons of our social stratus. Cell phones, smartphones are really becoming commonplace with everybody in the United States. And think about as a digital marketer, we can actually use our the, these smartphones that are in, in the pockets of virtually everybody in our community in a smart uh, way and to, to reach them and communicate with them. You know, this is when you start getting into, you know, access, you know, just access to healthcare in general, not just access to the internet or technology and, and things like that and the social determinants of health. And you know, start getting into a lot of those, those conversations. Because I think, you know, as, as technology has evolved and consumerism has become what it is, the role of, of the marketer, uh, not just even digital marketing, but marketing in general and communications uh, within hospitals and healthcare organizations, you know, we're getting to a place that is becoming more and more important and the, the stakes are much higher, right, than they used yeah. to be. You know, we're not just creating collateral that's, oh, it's nice to have and it sits in a rack somewhere on a you know, in a lobby or whatever it is, you know, or we're not just making graphics or, you know, whatever it may be, all that stuff's still obviously useful and, and goes into the equation. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a higher stakes um, place that we participate now. You know, and if you go down follow, keep following that path down, right. A lot of times we go into the ROI of like the success of your marketing efforts, what's the return on investment? You know, a lot of times when we're starting to measure it, and I've said this before, at, at, you know, um, most notably at the 
latest healthcare internet conference, to me, it's not just about the ROI, it's return on health, the ROH, right? Because if we can get more people scheduled for a, like a, a screening or more people to get access to a primary care when they need it, or maybe divert them to urgent care or whatever it might be, at the end of the day, you could start tracking that back to, you can actually be measurably impacting through digital marketing, the health of your community. Right. That's, um, I don't know if I want that much responsibility. <laughs> can we, can we just wind it back to, uh, the good old days of newsletters and billboards and you know, that, you know, nothing was terribly measurable. So you could kind of hide behind that. It, it is, it's, it's, uh, you start saying it out loud and it gets pretty weighty. It does. It's almost intimidating. I mean, the good news is level setting, right? We still struggle with ROI, let alone ROH. But I think that's the goal, right? That's the noble goal that we're going after. But the other things that are measurable that we can do for our our organization is we're not companies that are flush with cash, right? We're spending a lot of the, the monies that we have as an organization on supporting patient care. If you look at digital and what digital marketing can do, it really kind of aligns with the fact that it helps us to be better stewards of the expenses that we incur for healthcare. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say we spend the majority of our money on marketing FTEs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that may be too. (laughs) No, no, we probably should. We probably should spend a little more around some of those uh, data science roles and analytics and you know some of the technology roles but anyway that's another that's another topic for another day but it, but you're right you know the margins are slim um, you know we have to be a good steward of of the money that we do have and not just money like there, there's budget there's a line item or there's multiple line items or a whole lot of line items I guess related to marketing communications but also the the employees the internal communications and and again, we'll get to this in a second, but kind of how that bleeds into other parts of the organization. But it, it's the manpower, it's the knowledge base, uh, the money, you know, all that we need to be good stewards of. Right. And digital, digital marketing in particular, is often seen as more effective because we target more efficiently. We can accomplish less with more, so to speak, right? Um, that's the whole promise and purpose of that, getting away from the, the old billboards and the radio spots and even the TV ads that we don't know how effective they are. Digital allows us to do things in a little bit more effective ways. It does. At least that's the promise, right? And and we've, we've seen uh, it start to trend that way over the last several years. And so... Um, I think we have, again, being good stewards of, of the knowledge there, that's one of the things that we have to lead and know and, and own so we can continue to move in that direction. Well, there are a couple of other things that we probably should talk about, but why don't we take a brief pause here to hear from one of our sponsors, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll kind of round this out and then talk a little bit about the interview we're going to hear from later in the show. Are you struggling with online reputation management? Binary Health Analytics provides healthcare systems, hospitals, and physician practices a complete view into managing patient feedback from online ratings and reviews and especially surveys. It continuously mines feedback for sediment, uncovering timely and actionable insights. Its management tools help turn these insights into an opportunity to increase patient engagement, manage reputation, and improve patient experience. 
To learn more about Binary Health Analytics, visit Binary Fountain online at binaryfountain.com. That is binaryfountain.com. So, you know, as we as we think about why we do this, you know, what we've done historically, I guess to some degree, why it's important, some of those types of things. I think, you know, as we talked about the evolution of the technology before the break and um I think one of the things that's allowed for, um, and I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about, you know, things that we've done on the clinical side to try to reduce anxiety, uh, improve outcomes, things like that. That's just one example that we're now doing on the digital side, right? And so we're starting to see the lines blur a little bit. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but the lines blur between what historically has been thought of as marketing communications, now digital marketing, you know, where, where does that reside? You know, and we can't, mm-hmm. we can't operate in these silos, especially as we start thinking about how people interact and what they expect from the organization. Right. So, you know, marketing, and then you say patient experience, well, there's an awful lot of overlap there. Oh yeah. The, the whole concept of patient experience, I think maybe stemmed or it should have stemmed from the digital marketing suite. But, you know, a lot of times that does come from patient relations or, or understanding, you know, maybe the clinical care that we're being delivered. But you and I have talked about and just referenced, you know, virtually every other podcast we've done, we've talked about how patient experience and, and digital marketing are so aligned together because we're ultimately after the same goal, which is trying to make sure that entire experience from an unidentified patient to maybe a potential patient to a patient, you can apply all the breadth of digital marketing tactics and techniques to support that, to make that more, more efficient. Absolutely. And I think when you look at, at things like, when you start talking about patient experience and, and you were looking at the early to mid 2000s, when, when some of that really became a big deal with the Baptist leadership group, the Studer group, you know, and, and, and onward, a lot of what you were seeing was focused on what happened within the brick and mortar, within the walls of the organization. Some of it expanded outside of that with like discharge phone calls, right? But it was still about the experience they had within your walls. Then websites became what they became. And we started realizing that their experience, paying their bill, finding a physician, booking an appointment, you know, whatever it may be, was important. That was part of that equation. And oh, wait a minute. Now people can write things online about us and rate us and review us and things like that. Well, we should, we should probably know what they're telling us about their experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's where that's where we end up with a lot of this. That's that's where marketing kind of got a seat at the table because you know we we man and are are in charge of those things. And it goes even further than that, Reed. I mean, if you think about like service line or clinical care, uh, a lot of times digital marketing has been sort of the voice of the customer, so to speak, right? When you are talking with doctors and you're, you're, you're maybe meeting with the service line leaders, because a lot of times what they do is they focus on, um, you know, growing their, their, their service line, they're growing their practice, and they may lose sight of the actual customer or that customer experience, so to speak. And a lot of times digital can bring that right side and front and center because you could say, hey, look, while we may want to, you know, you may want to put the, the letter A in the word orthopedics, quite frankly, 
consumers don't think that way. They don't search that way. And that's not what they're looking for, right? And that's just one small example, mm-hmm. the way you spell orthopedics. But there's so many other things that you can think about. Whenever we talk to clinicians or we talk to physicians, a lot of times we as digital marketers are the ones that are the sort of the voice of the customer. Absolutely. And again, that if you go back and listen to one of our recent shows on you know, you start talking about things like taxonomy and, and some some language, even natural language processing when you're looking at AI and things like that. You know, that's really where, again, us being good stewards of, of the knowledge uh, can really influence some of this. You know, IT is obviously, uh, or ITNS, uh, or information systems, or kind of however your organization frames that. that that's another one, obviously, that uh, for a long time, kind of participated on its own and marketing was somewhat separate. Then there became a little bit of an overlap because somebody had to know what a server was, you know, with websites <laughs> and things like that. And, and then, you know, uh, uh, again, with the internet, you know, IoT or Internet of Things and all the connected devices within the organization, uh, certainly the digital marketing uh, pieces that you're doing and how data is being pushed and pulled across the internet those folks, uh, uh, you know, are going to be very uh, adapted in understanding, you know, what you can and can't do from a privacy, PHI, you know, kind of related uh, thing. So, you know, you're going to have them and need them and their expertise and knowledge to do a lot of the digital marketing that you're wanting to do. If you think about it, digital and digital marketing a lot of times can be the glue that kind of holds together all of these different silo departments. And oftentimes we in the digital marketing role are the ones that are willing to extend that hand and say, hey, look, let's us work together because together we can be more effective. At least in my experience, that's what I found. Do you feel the same way? Absolutely. It is the glue. I mean, you know, that kind of holds everything together just because of that's that's the way people want to participate via communications we make fun of millennials in kind of the next generations, but that, you know, they don't want to talk on the phone. I don't want to talk on the phone, quite honestly. You know, so we, we, we need to be able to communicate and engage with organizations um, in the way that we want, whether that's, uh, you know, through a portal, through text messages, through apps, uh, whatever it may be, or a phone call. Uh, you know, people need to be able to communicate with us and get done what they need to get done in, in a timely fashion in the way they want. So true. So true. Now, one of the last things I think would be good to mention is the fact that we as digital marketers often fill that critical role of really helping to understand what our customers want really adopting that sort of that patient first approach. And we see that in in many different ways. I think one of the first and most earliest uh, signs of that is knowing that digital marketing, you can measure it, you can measure a lot of things. And we were occasionally, I mean, even, you know, I remember a decade ago, we were measuring things that were almost saying what the consumer intent is, you know, tracking Google Analytics and tracking how people flow through the website. These are things that, you know, well before we actually did formalized customer journey mapping, these are things that we were using to help understand customer intent. Intent's an interesting one, right? Because your your actions or, or your perceived actions online do not necessarily tell you what the intent was, right? It was just what they could end up doing. Right, right. So that that's an interesting one. And I think one that, you know, probably warrants a separate episode all into itself. Well, and if you think about it too, Reed, I mean, think about like websites uh, where you have customer feedback on websites. 
I have seen that happen, and those have been implemented in digital marketing ways well before we actually became more, shall we say, more uh, more sophisticated at we were at how we were tracking patient experience, right? And then we've done some episodes in the past about like even online reviews and how online reviews may actually paint a much better picture of what that actual patient experience is than like your press gaming review uh, surveys. Sure. Yeah. Because again, you know, it's like, we're not necessarily always measuring the same thing. You know, we want them to, you know, they're both about experience, but one's about consistency where one is more of a verbatim of, of what happened. You know, it's a, it's an overview of a scenario. I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So I, yeah, we, we're at a very different place now than I think we were. Again, this goes back to the conversations you and I have had, whereas historically it's, it's not, I mean, we're called marketing or you have the marketing department, but really it was just the advertising department. Right. right? And, you know, when you start talking about marketing, well, then you're talking about the product itself, uh, the promotion of it, which, you know, again, we've done uh, the price, the placement, you know, et cetera. And so, you know, it's just, it's just a different world we live in and um, the responsibility, like we mentioned earlier, the responsibility of this all is uh, quite daunting uh, sometimes if you think about it, but if you, uh, if you're doing it for the right reasons, you're in the industry for the right reasons, you know, you can do some really meaningful work. You can. And then the other thing is this advent of having all this longitudinal data now available to a digital marketer. I mean, uh, sure, strategic planning was, you know, parsing data and understanding where there might be good investments for your healthcare system. But, you know, digital marketers using a CRM effectively and, and pulling in longitudinal data and maybe even looking at like what Facebook insights, what all the data that can provide, all the insights that, that Google can provide. This allows us to build um, a better picture of our customers uh, so that we can, you know, we can start to understand their trends their preferences. We even start bringing in socioeconomic things like what their favorite magazines are or what, you know, what radio stations they listen to, (laughs) because now we have access to all of these, this data as digital marketers. And it's our responsibility now to bring that into the organization so that we can start to use that data more effectively. Yeah. And ethically, right? Yes. And ethically, yes. Which we'll get to in a future episode for sure. Yes, we will get to it. And, and that's a little foreshadowing maybe, but we have an interview coming up in, in, in coming weeks that'll, that'll touch on some of that. Uh, you want to think that people that know this much about you uh, will use it in, in the right way. Uh, but anyway, more, more, to, more to come on that. Um, I think it's just the more we know about folks, obviously, from our side, the idea is that we can better serve them and, and you know be able to connect with them a little bit easier. But man, it's it's changed a lot. Well, it has changed. And the last thing I think we could close on this before we jump to that great interview is the fact that we talk a lot now about consumerism in healthcare. And if you go out there and you start to define consumerism, what do you think are the top characteristics? Things that digital marketing impacts, right? Online experiences, um, right. how people are, you know, we compare ourselves often to Amazon and, and you know, make it the, the ease of like Apple <laughs> yeah. and things like that, right? This is all right. digital marketing, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, as digital marketers, 
we helped define consumerism for hospitals and health systems. We were some of the earlier people that were talking about this way back when, when they were just like, consumerism, really? Well, now it's upon us. And that's been driven from a digital marketing perspective. There you go. Well, let's uh, let's break there. Um, we're going to cut to an interview here with uh, Brian Davis from uh, Scorpion. Uh, he is actually in their their Dallas office, and uh, going to talk a little bit about digital philosophy. Had a great conversation with him a few weeks back. Those that were uh, in Chicago just a couple weeks back may have also had a chance to visit with him. Without further ado, let's cut to that interview, and then we'll be back after the conversation. At HealthGrades, Better Health gets a head start. They help millions of consumers each month to find and schedule appointments with their provider of choice. With their scheduling solutions and advanced analytics applications, they partner with more than 500 hospitals across the country to cultivate new patient relationships, improve patient access, and build customer loyalty. To learn more, visit them online at healthgrades.com. That is healthgrades.com. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. Today I'm fortunate to be joined by Brian Davis, who is the Senior Vice President of Healthcare over at uh, Scorpion. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Hey, Reed. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's awesome to be here. I've been a fan of your show for a while, so it's, it's great to be here. So thank you for having me on. Awesome. Well, fellow Texan, or you live in Texas. I live in Texas now. I'm not really a Texan, I don't guess. I mean, well, I'll take that back. I was born in Texas, so I guess I can claim it. But Yeah, see, I was, a, I was born over the border in Louisiana, so it's hard for me to accept sometimes that my daughters are both Texans, but uh, I guess so. <laughs> I'm going to have to get used to that. Thanks for coming on. Uh, for those that are not familiar with uh, maybe you or Scorpion specifically, what's the quick elevator pitch of what you guys do and, and are about? So Scorpion Healthcare is an organization that's been in the business of helping hospitals and healthcare systems uh, present themselves online for over a decade. And it's really in the area of hospital digital presence is really what we call it. It's all of the ways that a consumer might experience a hospital or healthcare system on the web, all of the infrastructure and technology and services that go into allowing a healthcare system or hospital to leverage that, to connect with more patients, broadcast their message, and really serve their community online. And as your show helps bring clarity to this, to this area, it's not an easy equation all the time. And certainly it's a place where there's a lot of moving pieces and things like that. And so Scorpion over the years has assembled a set of technology and, and services and, and uh, expertise around really giving healthcare systems a, what we hope is an advantage online and helping them reach their patients and really simplifying that entire equation. Yeah, there's, there's lots of options out there. Um, and so you mentioned, you know, clarity and, and trying to kind of make sense of it all. You know, you and I were talking before we hit the record button a little bit ago, but you made mention about, you know, really people work in healthcare because there's some sort of a calling. And we usually equate that to people on the clinical side of the equation. But I thought it was interesting, you know, just kind of your viewpoint of just really everybody that works at the hospital or in the healthcare industry probably is doing it because they feel kind of that mission-driven pull, right? I mean, this is, this is something that's definitely not lost on us or at, at Scorpion Healthcare, and certainly I can speak for myself, it's, it's not lost on me how important it is what we do. 
Because unlike other forms of marketing, I mean, it's not like we're marketing consumer electronics or movies or the new Tesla. Any of those things are great things to market as a marketer. But in terms of what we're dealing with here, it's never lost on us that there is a person at the under, other end of that equation that could be in a storm of uncertainty. In our world of healthcare, we have to acknowledge that most of the time people are not looking for what we, are, we have to offer. In fact, they're not even really interested in it. But when they are and when they become aware or become interested, that they're arriving at that, that moment probably with a lot of fear. And so it's incumbent upon healthcare marketers and, and for organizations like ourselves to make sure that all the details are put together and that things are done as efficiently as possible and that no dollar is wasted. Because $1 wasted is one patient that maybe doesn't get that click. Or if the website isn't on point and the page renders too slow, the person leaves and doesn't find the answer they need. Or if the budget for the PPC campaign runs out and it doesn't reach that person whenever they're you know, in, the, in the operating room or in the waiting room of a hospital across town, they're looking for answers and they don't get that answer and they don't get connected with the doctor that they need, that can, that can be the difference in somebody's outcome. So there is a liability on all of us as healthcare marketers to really do this stuff right. And, you know, I think that's where, where some of the things that we've, we work with some of our clients in terms of getting to a core set of principles with which we're going to use to govern our business, give us a lens to look at all of the different things that come at us at any given time, right? I mean, it, I think the last um, last survey I saw, I saw this list of 5,000 marketing technology companies in 2018 that are all you know, trying to sell you something, trying to sell something to all kinds of marketers. And it's, it creates a huge cloud of confusion. And honestly, Rita, I, mean, I think that's what you and Chris have been doing a great job of doing is kind of shining a light into the, into the confusion by having conversations around this. Otherwise, our industry is kind of left to this cloud of confusion, which in many cases, I believe it leaves leaves these organizations a place where they're so confused and so uncertain that they kind of just default back to the status quo. And we know that the status quo is not going to serve these healthcare organizations and also is not going to serve these patients out there. So really is incumbent to try to find some clarity in that storm of uncertainty for even ourselves. You mentioned kind of the core principles and trying to find that clarity. And so uh, let's talk about just some of the things in, in kind of this. And you mentioned it earlier, kind of off the air, but the digital constitution, if you will. I thought that was kind of an interesting way to put it. You know, kind of what that looks like, because you're right, there is an anxiety in this equation. Whereas if you're looking for season tickets for the Mavericks, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's not it's not the same heightened level of need or anxiety or uncertainty or you know, what, what's on the other end of this journey for me as a season ticket holder right, <laughs> versus right. me me as a patient. Let, let, let's talk about those principles and kind of how you guys think about that. And I have to say, I mean, a lot of this was driven out of some work we've done, some of our largest clients, uh, large regional systems that, I mean, had the challenge of, you know, bringing together 17, 18 different hospitals and 300 different medical groups and 10,000 physicians. I mean, as you might expect, and this and some of these have happened in the midst of mergers and acquisitions. Anybody that's been through that, and any of your listeners that have been through that, know of the level of confusion and uncertainty that even happens internal to an organization about what's the brand going to be, who, which doctors are aligned where, how do we rationalize service lines and the portfolio, and 
we've still got competition that's now trying to try to come into our market, like all that complexity and, and uncertainty. And meanwhile, you've got people trying to convince you to do one thing with technology and you've got internal stakeholders saying they're important, more important than other stakeholders. So you end up with this just massive confusion, which is kind of operating in that world of confusion is kind of the opposite of that calling we talked about, right? Which is what we are always looking to do is free up our healthcare marketing executives to get back to the, doing those things that only they can do, which is tell the stories, which is connect with patients and do it in a way that's aligned closely and in many cases emotionally to their brand and to what they're doing uh, internally. But when we work with some of these clients, and this kind of goes back a few years, we had one client that was in that situation, big mergers, acquisitions that were going on. It was really driven out of this idea that there were going to be competing interests, everybody jockeying for different positions and things like that. And so the digital team and the executive there said, look, we got to get clear on what's going to be our and it, and it started out as the Ten Commandments, and then it kind of became the digital constitution. But it was this idea that you're going to have this set of very core principles that are going to govern the way we're going to look at the business, we're going to govern the way we're going to look at technology, going to govern the way we operate in terms of the choices on how, what we do, and maybe more importantly, what we don't do, what we invest in and what we don't invest in. When things come at us, then we're always going to be able to come back and go, look, what appreciate your idea and let's go back and see if it fits within our digital constitution or the 10 commandments or however you want to frame it that served them very well in navigating that storm over the next couple of years we've actually taken this and evolved it even further and, and and it's actually driving this model that you might hear us talk about you know kind of in the future this idea of hospital digital presence which is really a maturity and kind of business model uh, framework that allows you to look at these things but it really started um, with some things that you might expect. One was they said, we're going to seek to serve the patient first. Now, as the first principle, you go, well, of course you would. But we all know that in the course of these types of projects, that many times in competing interests will come in and say, we think that our service line is more important than the other service line. So we need you to do this. By having this as a core principle where we say, we're going to seek to serve the patient first, what they're able to do is say, okay, you can submit that and we can look at that, but you have to be able to justify how that perspective or how that suggestion serves the patient. I saw this played out one time in a big design reveal one time where we had a presentation revealing the design and there's this you know, beautiful design that we were doing done for this, this organization. We revealed it and the, there's one of these big conference rooms, right? Big horseshoe table, all the executives around the CEO, all the service line leaders, everybody there, big party. Reveal the design, everybody's oohs and ahs, they love it, it's amazing. And then they start going through it and they notice that, hey, wait a minute, cardiology is above oncology over there. And then the oncology service line leader kind of gets, starts asking, well, why is mine over there and not there? And why is it lower down on the menu? And all of a sudden, immediately, as you might expect, and maybe you've experienced, Reed, the meeting started to kind of go off the rails. Like everybody's kind of started jockeying <laughs> for, for why is my service line where it is and all this. And our project manager did a brilliant job of reorienting the room. She said, okay, going forward in the ground rules for the meeting, here's the ground rules. Appreciate everybody's input, but going forward, you've got to be able to justify how what you're suggesting serves the patient. And as long as you can do that, it's fair game. And immediately it shifted the energy of the room from one that was becoming internal focused, ego focused to yeah, other about me to other focused. And that other focus is so core. You know, that's why this is part of this set of principles is to keep an other focus alignment, an outward facing alignment in terms of 
our principles and the way we think about technology. What the, the second one that came that came in was just simply valuing simplicity over complexity. Oh man, <laughs> right? There's a million things we can do, but there's maybe only a few things we should do. And the frame there is simply: does what does this channel, does this activity, do these systems, does this purchase, does it increase simplicity or decrease simplicity? And that will be a frame that we are always looking for, but not only internally, but also do these choices with the way we're setting up our externally facing web experience. Do they increase complexity for the patient or the visitor or the family member, or do they reduce complexity? It's a tough one, right? Because simplicity is hard, especially when you talk about the issues with interoperability and some of those things that we have right now. Yes, it would be nice to make appointments online, but if it's creating nine more clicks versus right now they just call a phone number, do we really want to go down that path until it's at this level or this point? And it's so easy, right, when we're so close to the technology and we, we can feel the ambition coming on board to go, hey, we, we can do all this stuff. But like you said, if the maturity of the technology or the process or even operationally isn't there, then it's a question of, okay, even though we could do it, does it really serve the patient? Does it really reduce complexity? And again, that's where, hey, if we have principles in place, then we can go back and it's not something I feel. It's something I can go back and go, okay, here's our principles. I know I'm aligned to what our core principles are. Another one they had was they're going to find things that are built for healthcare. And they said, wherever possible, we're going to invest in technology that's been built specifically for healthcare. It's easy to go out there and kind of look for technology and kind of try to piecemeal things together. But wherever possible, we're trying to find something that has been built for, with the needs of hospitals, healthcare systems in mind from the beginning of it. Save some of the overhead and cycles that are involved in trying to bring things from maybe other industries and make them fit into the healthcare world. If we can find things, not, obviously you can't find everything, but if, you, if there is an option, we're going to defer to that, that, those options. Just from a technology perspective, try to keep things as low overhead as possible. They also just said things have to be real time. They were moving from a place of where most of their data and most of the things they experienced were a spreadsheet that somebody sent. And they said, wherever possible, it's got to be real time. Uh, in this today's day and age, like we should be able to expect real time data, not data that's a month old, month old or quarter old or just on some spreadsheet. We want to be able to see it real time and be able to really give ourselves some actionable intelligence wherever possible. They also said, <clears throat> we want to be culturally competent. And then the way they interpreted that is, is being able to know the culture and speak the language of their unique communities. Now, in this particular case, this client was, is in a very diverse area. And so from one hospital to, to the next, they had distinct ethnic communities that were very tightly knit and focused, but, but it would be very different from one area of their community to another. So you know, they deployed some things with localization, language localization, things like that. We're going to speak the language of our unique communities. We're going to be able to, whenever they arrive, they're experiencing, hey, we know you, we see you, and we're going to speak your language. I like that. A couple other ones that they talked about was uh, just being nimble and fast. Everything that they, they did, they said, we, we can't be bottlenecked by technology or lack of capacity. Their vision for the way they operated was not one of Everything is a big project. Everything is a big experiment. They wanted to be able to have standard processes, standard playbooks that could be deployed at will based on the needs of the organization or based on opportunities they saw that come up, came up in the marketplace. 
that was a core thing. They said, everything we build, if we do this, does it, does it increase our speed or slow us down? Again, another frame to look at. And then they said, look, in terms of operations, they said that wherever possible, we're going to look for, for managed services. Like we're not going to try to do everything in-house that is not core. Like we want to keep our people's capacity doing the things that only we can do. And that's connecting with service line leaders, connecting with patients, looking, where, looking to see where marketing can make an impact inside of the business and really going, becoming much more front-footed in terms of their approach and their posture with the rest of the organization. So many of our marketing friends at these hospitals are always kind of on the back, back foot with uh, executives or service line leaders coming to them and saying, market me, market me. And, and they're kind of in this reactionary mode where they're kind of trying to keep people happy at the same time of staying on course with what the strategy is. And a lot of times that's because they just don't have the personal capacity God bless these, these, these folks that, that are at these hospitals because we all know they're doing like 10 different jobs at once at any given time, right? They're doing crisis communication, internal communications, external communications, <laughs> advertising, marketing, business development, community events. They're doing all this stuff at once. And so fixing the website, updating physician photos, like not value add, right? So wherever possible, they're going to get, they're going to defer to finding services outside of the organization that can just handle those not value added things. Probably the final one was just always being what they did forward leaning, which basically said wherever possible, we're going to be in a place where we're going to go where the attention of our consumers is. And we know how fast that changes and can change, but we're going to be in a position where we're not stuck doing tactics from three years ago, but we're going to be in a, in a position where we can pivot and go and again, not be limited by technology, not be limited by by lack of capacity in terms of our team uh, and, and be in a place where we can go where they're going. I think that, and then I'd say one more, one more that was, was important to them was just being future-proofed. They talked about this idea of so many times there's all this effort, millions of dollars going into building these huge infrastructures. And then by the time they're finally built, they're out of date. So having a continuity strategy where it's less of a big enterprise approach, big enterprise, one project that moves the world and then hopefully it lasts forever but really being more of one that says, okay, here's our continuity plan that we're already thinking about what happens in three years and what happens after that and how this thing, how things migrate. And so it's a much more dynamic approach. So that's like the I-35 thing, right? Where it's just, uh, for those not in Texas, I-35 is a big highway, runs, runs up and down the state and they're never going to finish. Or once you're done, you're, you're starting back over. That's that idea of being future-proofed. It's funny when, when I hear you talk through some of these you know, the very first one, you know, which is, you know, seek to serve the patient first. It's kind of like, if you do that, well, then you are going to value simplicity or you are going to want to be nimble and move fast. You are going to want to add value based on what it is that you uniquely can offer to the equation and things like that. Yeah. So some of these actually, you know, I feel like probably build on each other being future proofed. Well, I mean that, you know, real time data is going to, going to play into that. And so is being nimble and fast, quite honestly. And, and, you know, we, we've always heard the, you know, fail fast and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think all those are valuable ideas, but I think really, you know, especially the one that you started out with, the one that they, they started out with, which is seek to serve the patient first. A lot of these could all, you know, probably nest underneath that. The lesson here is, and obviously everybody is going to have some probably variation of these things and, and some that we didn't talk about and they're going to be unique to your organization. And there's, you know, there's going to be things that change. I think the most important takeaway is just simply having them written down. 
having agreement within your team. And, and obviously that's just to be backed up by some strong leadership and some strong executive kind of, yes, this is the way we're going. I think that's a common theme that I've seen in all of our clients that have really moved the needle is it's always had a strong executive frame that said, here's our founding principles. Here's our, here's our guiding principles that we're going to base everything that we do off of. Now let's go. We can't take credit. This is not Scorpion. This is this is a good executive, man. Just good leadership is what it is. When we see that, and when an executive does that, says, "Here's our principles built, you know, with the team using things like this. Seek to serve the patient for first, and they apply this lens against the digital marketing world. It just has provided so much clarity. And in that clarity, they're what they're able to experience is decisions happen faster. Decisions have more confidence. They're able to to endure." through a lot of the noise and potentially political forces that might be working for their own interests. And the net result of that is these, these teams move faster, they deliver more value, and, uh, and they frankly put their organizations ahead of their competition. Certainly seen this played out in some of our, uh, our larger clients over the last, I really can think of a few in particular that just stand out of operating this way, and it really is a competitive advantage. Well, and you probably get buy-in, right? And that, that's the hardest part is if you can get everybody to agree that here are the rules of engagement and then that's abided by, then you know everybody should be bought in. And it's probably easier to get things accomplished and you know cut through some of the noise. I think these are great takeaways and even I think you know we like to leave people with with something that they can go do. And I think that was a really great one that you suggested just now, which is, you know. Start working through this, like write some things down and you know, start meeting with the leadership team and say, listen, you know, we want to put this together. You know, does everybody agree? Yeah. And as long as you, it, it starts with that other focus energy, that other focused approach of like we're seeking to serve the patient first. That's going to guide everything we do from that. We're going to value simplicity over complexity. We're going to be culturally competent. We're going to invest and keep our people focused on core things, and we're not going to invest in things that are not core to our operation. We're going to try to find integrated technology. We're going to find things built for healthcare. All of those things, as long as they're married up to this idea of we're going to seek to serve the patient first, it's a very powerful frame, and you're not going to get a lot of pushback on that. But these things aren't just written down somewhere, right? They're not on a piece of paper. They're in people's heads, and it's kind of what we know in the back of our mind that is there. But just simply the act of putting it on paper as a document, I mean, there's something powerful, just writing it down. The Bill of Rights, right? The Ten Commandments. When it becomes written down, it becomes real. And so one thing that you might be able to take away from this, you know, today's episode would just simply go down. And even if it's just you personally, what are your governing philosophies with the way you think about marketing? And maybe it's just your own personal Ten Commandments, your own personal guiding principles. And you probably have them. You just maybe have never written them down. And just doing that could be something, a powerful, powerful gift that you could give yourself. Brian, thanks for uh, spending a few minutes. I think these are great. And probably uh, a lot of these points, if not all of them, could be their own episode in and of themselves. But if people want to reach out or connect with you, uh, what's what's the best way for them to do that? For Scorpion, you can go to scorpionhealthcare.com. You can find out about all the stuff we do there. Uh, technology and services, um, some really game-changing technology we've brought to the market in the last uh, last 12 months or so. But in terms of me personally, you can reach out to me directly. My email address is brian.davis at scorpion.co. That's B-R-I-A-N dot D-A-V-I-S at scorpion.co. Shoot me an email. Find me on LinkedIn. You can search Brian Q. Davis. I think there's only a few of us. So I uh, would love to connect with anybody that's out there and 
thanks again for the opportunity to be here and keep the message going. You and Chris are doing a great job. Appreciate all of the clarity you guys are bringing to, uh, to the industry as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, having you back on in the future. Oh, that'd be great. Thanks so much. Hi, this is Bobby Ratu, Storyteller. I would like to invite you to check out my show called Intersection Podcast, a collection of stories involving healthcare, public policy, and social issues. Intersection is an opportunity to recontextualize stories into a broader viewpoint, breaking away from a short tweet, social media video, a status update, and diving further into longer-form conversations surrounding great storytelling. Search for Intersection Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or go to intersectionpodcast.com to subscribe. I hope you'll join us. All right, we're back. Uh, Excellent conversation with uh, Brian Davis over at Scorpion. Thanks for uh, his time and willingness to be on the show. Appreciate him. Again, quick plug, touchpoint.health is the website. Uh, Before we get out of here, I do want to give a plug for our weekly newsletter, the TPS Report. You can sign up for that over on the website as well, and that will give you Mm -hmm. uh, kind of an aggregation of some really cool uh, links and news from around the industry, as well as a few things from Twitter, a few things from the shows, from the show host. Uh, and also kind of list out some of the conferences that we'll be at. And, you know, earlier this year, Greg Matthews hosted Data Point, was at the American Telemedicine Association. Chris and I, of course, do several each year. And so maybe let's give a quick plug for those remaining conferences this year. You've got one coming up. I do. Uh, it's called the Strategic Marketing for Healthcare Conference. It's uh, July 30th through August 1st in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I will be speaking towards the later part of that conference uh, about uh, mapping digital to the customer experience. Um, That should be a fun conference. There's a lot of cool people that are going to be speaking there. It should be a really good one. And I encourage you guys to go check it out. We'll have a link again in the weekly email as well as the website. Shortly after that, about the second week of September, I guess it is, September the 8th through the 11th in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the hub of all things hospital, uh, is the ShishMed uh, annual conference. ShishMed Connections 2019, September 8th through 11th in Nashville, Tennessee. Shishman is always a great conference, and that's a really fun uh, city to be in, so that'll be really cool. Uh, about, a, well, let's say um, a month and a couple of weeks later, it, down in Rochester, Minnesota, is the 2019 Mayo Clinic Social Media Network's annual conference, and Reed and I will both be there. And In fact, I heard we're going to be uh, recording a live version of the of our podcast there in front of an audience there you go how about that so if you want to come see us live that's a great place to do it and you said down in rochester minnesota but for most of those it's (laughs) us it's still up in rochester minnesota but in any case tomato tomato (laughs) and then rounding out the fall conference season of course is uh one of my favorite conferences in yours which is the healthcare internet conference or hcic that's November 4th through the 6th in Orlando, Florida. So that'll be a nice time to be down in Orlando. Um, and you can find out more about that online as well, November 4th through the 6th. We've, uh, again, got descriptors of all these conferences, links, and all that kind of good stuff in that weekly newsletter. Um, so be sure to, to go mm-hmm. sign up for that. 
I guess before we get out of here, though, let's do a couple of recommendations. And um, what do you got this week? Reed, I'm going to recommend um, a big piece of technology. Well, I guess a, 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 it's not a big, but to me it's big. So last weekend I was kind of sitting around kind of in a blue mood. It was kind of a rainy Memorial Day weekend here. And I turned to my wife and I said, you know what I need? You know what's going to make me happy today? is getting a new iPhone. Yeah, it was time for me to upgrade my iPhone. And not only did I upgrade the iPhone, I went the whole way, right? I, I went out and got <laughs> the iPhone 10XS Max, right? So the big one, the one that's like a larger than normal. <laughs> it's an iPad mini with a cellular plan. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. But it's also got a really, I mean, it's got some really cool features. Obviously, the camera is really good. And yes, I know for those of you listening in that are on like Android devices or Samsungs or whatever, yeah, whatever. But the other thing about it is the new uh, iOS that they have, uh, the features in the new iOS and the usability of this phone is just tremendous. You don't have a home button anymore. You don't need a button anymore. It's really showing you that just with a, a few simple strokes with your your fingers left or right, up and down, whatever, you can manage everything you need to know. I really love iPhone's focus on aesthetics and on user user design. And I just got to say, I really liken it. Um, I know you probably have had one for a couple of months, but for me, it's new and I highly recommend it, although it's not inexpensive. Yeah, you bought all they could all they could bring, man. You got the whole the whole deal. No, I still have the 10. So mine didn't have the home button, uh, but I'm still on the 10. So I'll probably probably update this fall sometime or something like that. So very cool. Very, very cool. I'm envious. Uh, I'm going to recommend an app. I like shoes. We mentioned that earlier in the episode, but I like shoes and there's an app by Nike called Sneakers and it's spelled S-N-K-R-S. So it's like dropped a bunch of vowels or all the vowels or something. But anyway. How Web 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, But anyway, you can go into it and, and basically it gives you just a feed of like upcoming like cool shoes and uh uh, you can actually order, you know, you can see what's upcoming, you can see what's in stock and you can uh, kind of filter by if you like uh, Jordan's or maybe LeBron's new shoe or something like that. Anyway, you can look up different stuff and uh, actually order it from the app and there's some exclusives in there. But anyway, it's just a, it's a cool app. I like the UI and uh, if you like shoes or you like sneakers specifically, go check it out. It's a free app, obviously. So, but yeah, Nike sneakers. So there you go. Very cool. I'm going to go download that and play around with it. I always like good usable apps, and um, Nike always also has a very good approach towards uh, aesthetics and user design. So I'm, I promise this to be a good one. Cool. There you go. Well, for um, all of us over at Touchpoint, we do appreciate the support, all the show hosts, and uh, whether that's through the weekly newsletter, which we've heard uh, feedback on, or you connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever it may be. We certainly appreciate the feedback. Continue to uh, reach out. Let us hear from you about who might be a good guest on the show or what topics you'd like to see covered. Uh, We've had several people send notes through the website, and we appreciate that. And so some of those people that have been recommended via that uh, medium have are at least in the process of becoming a guest on the show. And uh, so that's that's really cool. And we like to like to see the community and like to see that. So. Uh, continue to uh, reach out and let us hear from you. Touchpoint.health is the website and uh, rate, review, subscribe. That's uh, the best way you can help us out. 
And for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.